Imagine loving your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And once again, I'm so glad to be here with you for this week's episode, which is another interview with someone who went from uncomfortably comfortable to exploring and soaring in midlife. Sounds so intriguing, right? Now you might be wanting the same exact thing, and I totally get it. So I'd like you to meet my guest today, Paula Rosecki. Paula's a past client and an amazing human being. She considers herself a human insights investigator. She's an independent customer insights professional, like market research. She's a facilitator and a leadership coach with a particular focus on decision-making and journeys. And as a firstborn to immigrant parents from the Czech Republic, She is fascinated by immigrant stories and international travel. And you'll see as her story unfolds on the podcast, this is part of her story. And this story held clues for her next chapter. I'm pretty sure you'll likely recognize yourself in parts of Paula's story. Around the time she turned 50, she totally felt like she was in a midlife funk and she started to look for answers and clarity about the direction for the next phase of life. And that's when she reached out for coaching. Paula had a pretty rough few years in her 40s when she lost both of her parents to cancer and had a few other really big changes to boot. After some time, she realized she wanted to get out there in the world in her own way. She wanted to design her life with intention, but she didn't know exactly what that looked like. She was ready to explore options and wanted support and structure to think about all that stuff, right? To think it through. What Paula experienced is so common for women in the middle. You have a sense that you don't want regrets. You start to be pretty clear that you want to be more intentional about your life, but you're not getting where you want to go. And time seems like it's just flying by. So you're not alone. Paula wasn't alone. And coaching together really helped her get the clarity about her next chapter. And she's totally on her way now. She's going to tell you all about it, especially what that stuck and murky experience was like for her and how she was able to get excited about her life again. So please enjoy this interview. Hi, Paula. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Oh, Susie, I am just delighted and honored to be here. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, for me to have an opportunity to talk to a past client who has made so many amazing changes, it just makes my heart sing. So I'm so excited to dig into your story uh, because as you know, we're not alone and you're not the only one who was struggling with a a midlife funk, a little bit of a midlife funk. (laughs) Yes, I think I'm not the only one. I agree. So I love that now you've come to this idea, the way you consider yourself a human insights investigator. I, 
I love that. So we're going to talk about all of that. But first, I want to ask you why you first reached out to talk to a coach. What was going on in your life that you thought, you know what, I think I need some help and I think a coach might be the right way to go? Yeah, well, I found myself um, really kind of just questioning what I wanted to do with the next foreseeable chapter in my life. I had gone through a lot of loss prior, you know, just before this time. And I really was just thinking through what do I want to do now? And I became kind of obsessed with the word intentional Mm. and with this concept of no regrets. And so I had spent a lot of time, and I've always been pretty interested in personal development and self-help, so that wasn't new, but somehow the, I, I just had kind of a new lens on it that seemed urgent, mm. and I just was seeking out some help. And so, of course, I stumbled on Brooke Castillo's podcast, and then I heard you and the way that you talked about it just really resonated with me. You were saying all the things that I was saying in my head about what I wanted to do next. And so I was like, you know what? I need to reach out to this woman and just see what she's all about and how we might be able to work together. And I was ready for a, a deep dive into figuring out more personally how to use um, you know, personal development work. Were you new to podcasts? Had you been a podcast listener for a long time? Yeah. I mean, I'd say for the last two, three years or so, maybe a little longer, I was dabbling, you know, looking at different things about um, personal growth, entrepreneurship, business. Like I really was interested in learning new things. I think that's the other thing. I was just in this place where I had been doing what I was doing for a long time, and I, I always really enjoyed it, but I just kind of got to this place where there was like this longing to start to learn new things. Okay, let's go back a little bit. I love talking to people about what was going on in their 40s in the pre-funk era. So what was going on for you back then? Okay, I'll have to start when I was 39, actually, because I already, I had made kind of a large move from Dallas to Seattle, where I live now. Um, I was in uh, kind of exploring a relationship to my now husband and a new job opportunity. And I, I found a great job in a little small boutique customer insights agency. And I really loved that. I worked on some really exciting projects for big, well-known brands, helping them understand their customers' beliefs, opinions, and perceptions about their products and services. Um, I did a lot of traveling in the U.S. and also outside of the U.S. I had some projects in Europe and South America. So I helped kind of build this business. I managed people. I tried to be, you know, innovative at work, and I just really enjoyed myself. And I was doing well in my career that I really had been working on for probably 15 plus years, and I was pretty deep in it. <laughs> um, then uh, when I was 44, I learned that my mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and it became 
very clear to me. I mean, there was no question at all that I wanted and needed to help her through that time in her life. And um, partly because my dad was legally blind and I knew that he would not be able to manage kind of probably what was ahead. And so, um, so I told my job I had to go and I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And sure enough, you know, two, about two months later, she passed. And then it kind of became all about my dad. And um, he still wanted to have a really active life despite being blind. And he was super fun loving and he continued to travel and just wanted to still keep seeing the world. But something told me that I um, I had better get married if I wanted my dad to see my wedding. Hmm. So about um, a year later, I just told my now husband, hey, I'd really like to, I think this is a good time to get married. And we ended up having this wonderful, beautiful wedding in the Czech Republic where my parents were from. Um, and I'm just so grateful that I listened to that kind of voice inside me that just mm. for whatever reason kept showing up. So it's amazing when we listen to a voice because most of the time we poo poo them. I know. I know. <laughs> I've, I've gotten better. I've gotten better at list listening to that inner voice. Um, so yeah, we got married when I was 45 and, and then it became about my dad. And unfortunately, a couple years after that, um, you know, actually what my sister and I helped move him from Wisconsin to Colorado where my sister lives hmm. and settled him in a bit. He still wanted to travel and stuff, but he was diagnosed with brain cancer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so then it was just, you know, helping him through the, that process and still ha helping him travel. He Loved going back to the Czech Republic to see our family and um, and some friends. And he wanted to go to Mexico and just kind of keep living his life. And unfortunately, he took a bad fall when he went to Mexico. And I needed to go and pick him up because he was there with a friend who didn't speak Spanish or English. And I went to go get him took him to Colorado. And then that was kind of the beginning of his kind of few end of, you know, end of his few months of life. Wow. Wow. So what was the time period between both of your parents um, having cancer and that phase? It was about four, within the period of four years, it was my mom's diagnosis, kind of going through that process a little time passed, then my dad was diagnosed and going through that process with him. So after that, I just really needed to take a big pause and yeah. examine what I really wanted to do. Because seeing both of these people who were so dear to me and gave so much up to come live in the U.S., my, my parents immigrated in 1969. Um, when um, the Soviets were kind of overtaking uh, Czechoslovakia at that point. And so they had given up a lot to be here in the U.S. And I really just wanted to sit with that for a while. And I got really quiet. I had this need to be outside all the time. <laughs> it was very hard for me to be inside. It was kind of interesting. 
And I just got very contemplative about what I wanted to do next. And I think that was about the time that I came to you. Wow. So the 40s for you were so intense. Yes, they were jam-packed with lots of career and lots of family, both of which are super important to me. So it was, it was yeah, a very heightened time for me. Yeah, and, and marriage, you know, like... Oh, and marriage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's that too, yes, which but, is part of family, yeah. Yeah, definitely part of family, but it's just so interesting the way all of that came about and how your 40s really do sound like a wake-up call, you know, like it really shook you up. And the way I describe a wake-up call is it's jarring. There's so many ways to feel it, but it's jarring. Yeah. And I felt like I had one big jarring thing and then I kind of got, you know, got back into the flow of things and then another big jarring thing. And I just thought it's time for me to just take a, take a pause. And when you take a pause, it's so interesting because when you describe it, you did both things. You went inward, but you also went out and you kind of lifted your gaze outside. I did. Actually, it's interesting you say that. Yeah, because I did feel like I was really head down for a long time and I really wasn't kind of looking up to other things that I might be interested in or could get involved in. I was very focused and I was comfortable with that until I became kind of uncomfortably comfortable. Yes. Do you remember when you noticed that? Okay. So I, the, the moment where it really became clear to me was, um, it was, you know, after my dad's death and I had already been doing some work on myself, but I remember looking around, um, the, uh, the conference room around, like to the beautiful faces of the people that I worked with so closely for so long. And I just thought, I think I've done everything I can do here. <laughs> yeah. And it's okay to make a pivot. And I just needed to become comfortable with that thought even. Yes. That was unfamiliar to me to even start thinking that way. So just listening to that for a while and trying to process what that might mean for me. Yes, that's exactly it. And my moment also happened at work. And I just, for whatever reason, I remember turning my chair to the left and the phone was there. It was like a big clunky phone. And I just remember looking at the phone, having a pause and thinking, I don't think I'm content anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, that's weird. I've always been content. <laughs> it's, it's the weird. It's just funny how sometimes the moment of realization isn't what's jarring, but there's something jarring going on in the larger context. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I felt like kind of a tiger caged up because I had all of this frustration energy about what I was going through. Mm. And at the same time, I felt like I know I have all this knowledge and I want to help people or I, and I want to learn new things. So it's like I wanted to also kind of spread angel dust <laughs> at the same time. So, and I just didn't know how or what that looked like. Yeah, exactly. And that's a common thing. We tend to become a little bit, not that we're not values-based or 
in our earlier years, but it seems to become heightened in midlife plus this urgency sense that we have about mm. timing. So those two things combined really help shine a spotlight on this area of frustration. I find that's what seems to happen to so many people. Now, one of the things I saw that uh, in our notes about the interview that you mentioned was that you thought about thinking and reflecting on your past life when you had also made big changes. Tell me more about that. Oh, yes. Okay. So I was a little methodical about this because one of the things that I study and love working on is how people make decisions. And so what I did, I went back and kind of looked at my life in chapters and all of the different things that I had done that looked a little crazy on paper, kind of like <laughs> what I was contemplating at this moment, you know. And I thought, you know, I decided to move to Europe so that I could spend time with my parents' family and understand my culture a lot better, learn the language. I went back to school there. I had a couple of great jobs there. And then I decided to leave there and I came back to the U.S. I suffered for a while from um, reverse culture shock and I got a new job at a corporate, you know, a corporation. I made a lot of really good decisions that, that um, really served me. And so I just went to look at what was, you know, what were some of the things that I was thinking at those points in my life and just realizing like that all worked out just fine, you know, <laughs> like just to calm myself down, like, oh, you're doing this crazy thing on paper, and yet you're still fine and everything will be just fine. Yeah, there's a lot of fear about change and fear really surprised me. I didn't think I was a fearful person. And until I got into coaching and a more guided way to reflect, I had more tools, I realized I was all about fear. And the thing that was really bugging me when I was fearful was this no guarantee and lack of clarity. You know, and, and when it comes to change, it is a process to start to accept that a little bit more. You know, like you mentioned, the quiet time and looking up and reflecting, that's required. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you saw me, I've had my uncomfortable moments with that too, because <laughs> I was so used to being productive and to see myself like slow down and really take my time to think things through and what do I really want next? Um, I think it just, it was a little unfamiliar in a way. Right. So when we started to work together, uh, you were thinking about leaving your job. Mm -hmm. It wasn't clear, but you yeah. were thinking about it. So tell us a little bit about what that was like. Um, I was thinking about just what I was contributing and what I wanted to contribute next and how I wanted to, I mean, it sounds a little cliche, but how I wanted to serve the world into my fifties and possibly beyond. Right. And what, not only that, but what I wanted to build for myself and create for myself and I really could, I knew that it was going to have some, it, w it was going to be helping people in some way. Exactly. And the other thing is that you turned 50 early on in our work together, and it just seemed like it was all coming together. Yes, yes. I did turn 50. 
And to me, that was just, you know, not everybody likes to celebrate it in the same way. But to me, that was just this big milestone, especially after what I had recently experienced with my parents. And I just thought, I am not going to have any moment of regret about turning 50. So I just had a big party. And I'm so glad I did because now that wouldn't be quite possible. <laughs> so Although true. I did have a Zoom pop-up dance party for this birthday. <laughs> Such a great idea. So when you made that decision to leave your job, um, what was that process like? Because that's really putting a stake in the sand. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was challenging. I'm not, you know, there's no bones about it because I really did enjoy where I was. I enjoyed the work, but somehow the want to do something different became louder than the staying comfortable. And it was almost like it was this feeling of something bigger than me that was calling me and kept coming up like this inner voice that I just decided to finally, just finally go with it. Oh yeah, it was so much fun to watch. And one of the things I remember so clearly about our coaching together was that you kept saying that you wanted to explore and use this Mm. time to explore, that that was the gift you wanted to give yourself. But every time I looked away, you were trying to nail down your plans. (laughs) tighten up (laughs) that period of exploration. So it was like, kind of like a push me, pull you. Do you remember push me, pull you from Dr. Doolittle? Yes. You know what? That's exactly what that, that idea of feeling like a tiger, but also like the angel who wants to spread the dust. Yes. Kind of that feeling like it was an internal conflict because it was leaving something that was great and going into something that was unknown, and I didn't have a clear plan. Um, And it took me a while to just be comfortable with that idea. With that idea and lack of productivity the way you normally define it. Yes. You know, and I like to think of giving yourself a pause as incredibly productive because you're not sitting around eating bonbons while you're in this pause, you are moving forward, but it's not the way you normally tick off boxes. And this gave you lots of um, angst and certainly gives other women in the middle a lot of angst because we're so used to being traditionally productive and ticking off those boxes. What was that like for you? Oh, that was uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) It was uncomfortable, but but I think I got to a place where where I could just open up to exploring. It was really trying to figure out what does exploring mean? Remember that? I was, yeah. We went back and forth of like, well, what does it, that exactly look like? And how's it, how does it feel? I think once I could figure out what it actually felt like, which was much more open rather than ticking off the boxes of, and being productive, there's sort of this qualitative element to it that's just a little, has a different energy. Yeah. And you have to keep reminding yourself, this is okay. Yes. I did have to keep, I had stickies up here telling me it's okay. You are exploring. This is a journey. The whole exploring thing. Oh my gosh. The whole exploring thing was so funny because you were saying it, but you had 
you just kept going away from it. And one of the things you did do, though, that to me just screamed exploring was you set a goal that in my mind was very scary, but you embraced it to the nth degree. And that was singing in public in a jazz group. And that was one of the things that you did early on. So why do you think that was something that was so important for you to do kind of first after you left your job? Yeah. I, um, singing has some, been something in my head for so long. I, I sang a little bit as a kid. As a matter of fact, in the third grade, <laughs> I won a Snickers bar for winning, you know, the, the talent contest. <laughs> and I was in chorus for a little while, but I just, I didn't pursue it or I wasn't, you know, I thought I wasn't being encouraged, whatever. I kind of let it drop, but it had always been in my mind. And I think in those exercises that we did together about going back to your life and the things that brought you joy, that really brought me joy as a kid. And I, 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 I'm fascinated by voices. I love using my voice. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to singing. And, um, and I found a teacher and someone told me at the end, there's a recital on this particular stage where I had envisioned myself singing at some point, some point in my life. And so when someone said, yeah, the recital is on that stage, I was like, oh no, that means I guess I have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) When you posted that video. It was a dream and it was one of those signs. But when you posted the video of the conclusion, that recital, I was floored because you were in a sparkly gown. It was, there was a stand-up bass, like it was a proper jazz performance on a stage with lights and it sounded beautiful and you sounded beautiful. And I, I was just beside myself that it, it was definitely a reach for you to do that. And I think what you just said kind of exemplifies your experience. Everything you've done since you left your job has been you finding your voice. Yes. Oh, thank you for saying that. That's really meaningful to me because I, I think that is part of, was part of my process. Oh, yeah. And even though maybe that didn't look exactly like singing was part of your career pivot, but in terms of thinking about it at this level, symbolically, poetically. I think yeah. it, it really, really does. So then the next thing you did was to uh, decide that coaching might be worth exploring as well as also thinking about parts of your career that you really enjoyed and how mm-hmm. you could maximize that angle as well. So tell us a little bit about what you took from your career that you loved and that you're able to bring forward in a slightly different way. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I really enjoy talking to people. That was the part of, or that is the part of research that I really enjoy. Um, I've been moderating uh, in-home interviews and focus groups for quite a long time. And I, I love that. The one thing that happens, though, is you're a little bit removed, right? You're talking to a lot of people and you're looking over, like looking at the patterns of what they believe and what their opinions are or their reaction to products or services. But I often found myself going, thinking, what, you know, what else is going on with this person? Like I so could have had a big, long conversation with that person on their own. 
And I've always really liked helping people kind of make their next move in their career. I help, I loved helping people kind of mentor them through internal politics or, you know, uh, just what they want to do with their careers. And I've always really enjoyed mentoring people on that stuff. So this coaching seemed to just really bring it all together for me. And it was just a skill that seemed like something that I'd be good at. That's so great. And because of the timing of our work together, I got to have a ringside seat from the beginning of confusion and frustration and unknown to the completion of you actually starting training, completing training, and starting to figure out where you wanted to make a contribution in the world with your new skills, your new freedom, your new perspective. It's mm -hmm. been so rewarding for me. So tell us a little bit what it was like during that year where we were coaching together and what you were able to take from the coaching that really helped propel you forward, the things that helped give you more clarity about what it was that you wanted. You mean specific kind of exercises or anything, anything, anything. Okay. exercises, insights, moments, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there were definitely some exercises that whole, um, you know, actually maybe when it became pretty clear to me was the exercise of your future self mm. and really thinking about where do you want to be in 10 years, 15 years. And I knew I wanted to keep on this train of mentoring people and helping people. I did this in, in, in research, we do this too, is helping people kind of find a goal that there's an objective and something that you're reaching for or trying to learn. So I really like that. And I think coaching just seemed like, because it was, it's focused on the individual, it just seems really meaningful and impactful to, you know, a single person's life. And that's just exciting to me. So thinking about your future self and the type of contribution or legacy you wanted to leave in more yeah. of an individual, making individual impact is what you were starting to gravitate toward more. Yes. Like, yeah. Yes. And also the, the exercise of just going back and looking at the different decisions and chapters of my life and growing up and kind of, you know, looking at some of my own patterns, but, um, there were a couple things that when I moved back from the Czech Republic, um, I really suffered. I mentioned I suffered from reverse culture shock and I looked into having a therapist, but I realized, you know, I didn't really need a therapist. I think what I really needed was someone who had more of a coaching standpoint to them. And then I also was thinking about like my growing up and helping my mom. My mom didn't speak English, you know, when she moved here, my, both my parents didn't. And so I did a lot of that, helping them navigate a new culture and all of that just, I just really enjoyed it. And I, it, it is a lot of who I think I am and how I can help the world. Right. So we really did explore a lot of that. And one of the things that I really noticed about you as a client was that you went all in. So in our work together, it was a combination of the some written work and written access to each other for coaching that way. Also, there was group work. There were also some retreats, which were super mm -hmm. fun. 
and also um, some private coaching. And you always went all in. You did the exercises. You reflected. When I gave you feedback, you, you, you read it and you really thought about it and you wanted to know more. So what was that like for you to have that broad range of coaching? Yeah, I, I love the way that you structure your work because to me, the, we met three times a month or so, right, every, through that whole year as a small group. That, I, I so appreciated that. I loved hearing what the other women in the group brought to the table and what they were struggling with um, and just watching someone else be coached on something, you know, helped me reflect on something that I might be going through. Um, the, the written exercises, I can't, you know, I'll, I won't say I did every single one of them, but I did do quite a few and that really helped kind of uncover some of the things that I was thinking and your retreats were a blast. <laughs> we did feed giraffes together in Palm Desert, yes, California. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun to meet people personally as well and get to know them and do your, your creative and visual exercises. I think that was helpful as well to kind of visualize what the future might look like. Yeah. And in midlife, I find that's, I mean, so many of us have done future type work, but to visualize it and to write it down with the ages that we will be at that time, I find that really powerful in midlife because for years we've been saying, oh, well, when I retire or, oh, when I'm 50, I want to do this. But when you say, where do I want to be in five years? And that is 57. Or where do I want to be in 10 years? And that is 63. That tends to really give it a little bit more of a framework and meaning and a way to challenge yourself on what did I think that would mean for me? And is that what I think now? Did that happen for you? Yeah, actually, there was definitely a moment where I was like, wow, here I am. I'm 50. And I haven't been an entrepreneur yet. Yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> Me is like, what? I worked for myself for a few years um, back in my kind of mid 30s. Um, and I just got swept up in my career and I loved it. And there seemed no reason to really change things, you know, until I saw how things can change pretty quickly and drastically. And I thought, you know, there's really no better time. There's why not? Why not do that? Exactly. If you don't let fear and all kinds of other crapola get in the way. <laughs> so one of the things uh, that's also been really fun to watch with you is your, um, your love of this multicultural look at life and experience. And uh, I know that um, you're, you continue to be fascinated by that. Where's your, uh, what are your thoughts right now about um, pursuing multicultural experiences professionally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so the, where that kind of comes from, I think is just coming from a family of an immigrant family living abroad for, you know, a number of years where I got to, I got access to just so from, to so many people from around the world. And when I moved back to the States, I I'm so grateful I was given an opportunity to work in multicultural market research for a large corporation. And that experience was so valuable to me. I loved it. I worked with a lot. I worked on um, Spanish language 
um, advertising and uh, um, a, a kind of a, an assortium of uh, multicultural work. And I, that was the part of my life that I really, really enjoyed. And then I moved to Texas to do more work there. And, um, and now I've been doing lots of research on my own and doing, you know, going to workshops and I'm actually creating a workshop for a professional organization that I'm a part of. And in the coaching world, what I really realized is what I can contribute is helping female immigrants and daughters of immigrants help build a legacy, help them kind of come up with their own way of building a legacy. And I think there are many ways to do that. Legacies are of various flavors and sizes, right? It could be big or small. So it could just be mending a relationship or strengthening a relationship um, in your family or um, helping through reverse culture shock. It's so interesting that you said reverse culture shock because I never really thought of it like that, but you're really picking up on it, that it's something that, um, that can be really painful. Yeah, yeah. I, when, I, when it happened to me, I questioned why I left, you know, the country that I had lived in for many years. And it took me a long time to be okay with that and kind of embrace the U.S. in this case again, because there were so many differences and there were um, the cultural opportunities living in Europe were, you know, huge. And in the U.S., you really, you have to look for it and create it a little bit more. So that, that took some getting used to. So yeah, this idea of legacy, reverse culture shock, helping, like just deciding you want to help a parent through an illness if you're dealing with some kind of cross-cultural communications or situations, um, special projects, creating a business. And of course, legacy, we often think of like um, money or property, but there's so much more. I mean, there's, it's, it can be a lot about just how you want to show up in the world as, you know, I think of my dad who was just so jovial and fun loving and adventurous. And that was part of his legacy. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. And I think when I think about your story and our work together, uh, again, I'm reminded that as confused as we might be when we are in a funk, as unclear as we might be when we're at this point for a pivot in our careers, it's still important to, I don't know, embrace this idea that we're already on the path. And I think if you look at where you've been and where you've gone, what you're headed to, it's the same thing with your story. There are so many clues and, and hints as to what you loved from decades ago, still the things you're fascinated by and gravitate toward. It's the same thing. It's just mm. packaged differently, right? But now you're able to see it a little bit more because you've gotten new skills. You've, you've put yourself in a community of people who are thinking and growing and wanting to change and wanting to learn. And so some things have changed, but your clues and core uh, things that you love are the same. Yeah, they are. You're right. It's, kind of, it's interesting to hear you play that back to me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. There are lots of 
things I've done in my life and experiences I've had that I can draw from and help other people. You're fully equipped. It just takes some creativity and some openness to move forward when you don't know exactly what it'll be, but you're still on the path and you're still moving forward. It's so good. And I hear that you have a website and how can people get a hold of you? Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah. So people can find me at paularosecki.com and I'll spell it out. It's R-O-S-E-C-K-Y.com. And I am working with female immigrants and daughters of immigrants who want to build a legacy they are proud of. Oh, that is so beautiful. And of course, I'll have your website in the show notes. So if you want to get in touch with Paula, please do. Paula, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure just talking to you and reflecting about how far you've come in your ideas about the legacy that you want to create for yourself and how you want to contribute. And I think what you've shared is such an important reminder that being confused about stuff is normal at this point in your life. But when you want to figure it out, you can absolutely get unstuck. Absolutely. And just keep in mind to have no regrets. That is very important. Well, that is a mantra of the podcast, regret proofing your life. Absolutely. Thank you so much and all the best. All right. Thanks, Susie. It's a pleasure. All right. So good. I'm sure you saw a lot of yourself in Paula's getting unstuck experience, right? Paula wanted to explore, but had to keep telling herself that it was okay to explore. And that's an example of what I call being on to yourself. I say that all the time. And managing your mind. She could identify that urge to go back into her old patterns of thinking about what was a worthy way to spend her time and be productive. She noticed that internal struggle that she was feeling and how frustrated she got. She wrestled with the concept of the pause. Like, was the pause actually productive? And also, she discovered how important it was for her to find her own voice while she answered the call to discover how else she could contribute in the world and create her own legacy. Also, notice all the clues that were there for what she always gravitated toward in her life, what she loved. She loved connecting deeply with culture and legacy. And like I said, there were clues for that everywhere and all throughout her life, (laughs) even Even with that Snickers bar prize that she mentioned early on when she had an opportunity to sing. Just finding her voice and connecting with culture. Those are really themes in her story. So just like with so many amazing women in the middle, when you're searching like this, you usually don't fully appreciate that you're likely already on the path. This has become my new mantra as I hear it over and over again from amazing women in the middle all over the place. I also see it personally with my own stuck to clarity story. The clues go way back. And when you look for the patterns and consistencies in your life with different lenses, you can see them. But when you're telling yourself how stuck and confused you are, you don't. They're harder to see. So thinking a slightly different thought, something like, I'm open to the idea that I'll figure this out, or I'm learning more and more about what I want. Those are the types of thoughts that will be way more useful for you in your future and to move your future forward. (laughs) 
to make your future happen, to create your future. That's how you roll when you're regret-proofing your life. Okay, that is it for this episode. As you know, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck about aging, about empty nest, about relationships, about your career, about being more compassionate towards yourself, about all of it. It's time to get excited about your life again. Remember, being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be, and I'm here to help. This is what you'll learn when you hire me as your private coach. And you know what? You're not going to believe what's possible in your life and the transformation that you're ready to make. Now, I know you might not think you really, really, really need this kind of help, like to hire somebody, and that if you just listen to the perfect podcast episode or read the perfect best-selling book, you'll have the answers that you need. You know, this kind of strategy is great for sure, but it may not be enough. When it comes to applying the concepts, that's when you really benefit from coaching. So there are two great ways to work together right now. And one of them is private coaching, like I mentioned. I can help you grow faster. You'll see the connections and insights more clearly. And we laugh a lot too, because you learn to be more curious and more compassionate with yourself. It's so good. And it's such a beautiful gift. So if you're curious, head over to www.talktosuzie.com and you can go ahead and apply there. Now, the other way to work together is group coaching. You can become a first lady. You can join my new midlife membership, the Finally First Club. Now, this is an upbeat virtual community for midlife women just like you who want to stop feeling stuck and confused and finally start making the changes that you want in your next chapter the clarity and courage and connection that you're looking for is only one click away. So get on the VIP waitlist now because enrollment will be opening up again soon. Join us there. Head over to www.iamfinallyfirst.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.coachwithsusie.com. To get your hands on nine secrets to get unstuck in your 50s, just go to suzyrosenstein.com forward slash nine secrets. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. <music>